think men are better at assuming that they have knowledge of a topic, whereas women are much more honest. When men don't know something, they're positive they know it. Nobody's an expert in metaverse and NFT because it's really new. And so men are better at pretending. There's nobody who has more than a one to two year head start than anybody in metaverse and NFTs. So there's really no good reason why if you're thinking of a career change, or you're thinking of kind of expanding your personal professional mandate to include NFTs, you shouldn't do it. You are just as qualified as almost everybody else. Hi, and welcome to the new Rules of Business by Chief. I'm Lindsay Kaplan. And I'm Carolyn Childers, and we're the co-founders of Chief, the network of the most powerful women in business. Every episode, we dig into a question that leaders are grappling with today. And lately, there's been a lot of buzz about whether and how businesses should join the metaverse. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) And we can see how the metaverse is the future of gaming, finance, and art. But how can leaders in other sectors really start wading in? Right. And maybe you've bought a little cryptocurrency or purchased an NFT. Or maybe you're not yet sure how the metaverse, with all of its promise of decentralization and accessibility, will tangibly impact your business. Sometimes I wonder how Chief will show up in the metaverse. And it feels like the metaverse, sometimes known as Web3, has a particularly high barrier for entry. Like, you need to know and have a confident working knowledge of blockchain, crypto, and NFTs to dive in. But as a business leader, you can't ignore this massive space. Right. When the internet first emerged, the early adopters saw the greatest return. So today, we want to talk through how businesses can jump into the next version of the web. So we have two metaverse pioneers, Janine Yorio, CEO of virtual real estate firm Republic Realm, and Kathy Hackle, host of the Metaverse Marketing Podcast and commonly known as the godmother of the metaverse. We asked them to break down what exactly people mean when they talk about the metaverse and where business leaders should really be investing resources as they look to the future. Here's Janine Yorio. Hi, Janine. Thanks for joining us. We're really excited you're here. And I think to start, we'd love to hear from you how you would describe the metaverse to somebody who maybe isn't that familiar with it and has heard about it, but doesn't actually have the deep idea of what it is and the implications on business. So I think the easiest way to understand what the metaverse is, is to replace the word with the word internet, which gives you a sense of how vast and interconnected it really is. There is no one the metaverse, just like there is no one the internet. It's a vast and interconnected web or network of things that behave differently than the way you and I have come to expect the internet to behave, which means that What we see as websites today, which are somewhat interactive, but they're largely 2D. You scroll, you click, you add things to your cart, you like, you chat, but it's not truly interactive. The metaverse is what happens when the internet becomes immersive, interactive, and social. So that all of those web experiences you and I are accustomed to having in traditional 2D environments suddenly become things that we can walk into with our avatars and meet our friends there. And so that's how you need to think about what the metaverse is, what it is today, what it can be in the future. 
Okay, so let's pause there. And can you explain for some of our listeners who may not know, what is an NFT? So an NFT is a thing, generally a picture or a video file, usually a JPEG or a GIF, that is on the blockchain. So a blockchain is basically, think of it like it's an Excel spreadsheet in the cloud. And that Excel spreadsheet tracks who owns it. And the it we're talking about is a file. And that file is either an audio or a visual file. And the the NFT is that file with that paper trail that's connected to the blockchain, that spreadsheet that tracks the ownership. And the ones that people have come to know best have these cartoonish apes and penguins and art. I can send you my JPEG and you can send me your JPEG and it moves from my wallet to yours and then I can see it in your wallet. So we took this very abstract idea of cryptocurrency, which was already moving around between wallets, and we stuck a goofy picture on it that made it suddenly feel much more accessible and human. And that alone, I think, has done more for crypto adoption than even Bitcoin going from zero to to $50,000 each in value. So that's what an NFT is. Metaverse real estate is an NFT. So the way they trade is they are a JPEG or they point to a specific file that is logged on the blockchain, which is this ledger that tracks who owns it. Much the same way that if you bought land in a town, you'd go to the town hall and open a drawer to find your deed. Instead, you're looking at the blockchain. You can look inside people's wallet because the transaction is the receipt in cryptocurrency. There's no additional receipt. In the real world, there's usually you own something, but then there's paperwork to back it up. In crypto, owning it is part of the transaction. And once it's in your wallet, your ownership of it is indisputable. And that's the same thing with metaverse real estate. So for those that aren't familiar with you and your company, Republic Realm, can you explain a little bit more about what you all do and how you started to get involved in the metaverse? So I'm not sure if like 18 months ago I'd ever even heard of the metaverse before, but I'd been following crypto. You know, I've been investing in crypto personally, and I had bought some land in Decentraland. And Decentraland is kind of like the gateway drug for metaverse. For people who don't know much about the space, somehow they inevitably end up there first. They were really the first crypto-based metaverse to sell land. And so I bought some because I came from the real estate industry, but I was in real estate tech. So I was surrounded by people who have a lot of pride in being early adopters and doing things before anybody else. Some of us were buying Decentraland parcels on weekends. You know, it was something we were doing as like a way to have fun, a way to invest, a way to do something nobody else was doing. And that was really how I started dipping my toe into this water. We actually launched Republic Realm as an experiment. We launched in April of 2021 with this thesis that if we were buying parcels of metaverse real estate on weekends, then other people might want to, but not know how to. So we decided to put up this thing online that allowed other people to invest in our metaverse real estate investment vehicle. And that was really the beginning of Republic Realm. Since then, it's grown into something by far larger than just an investment vehicle. And as you guys all know, the category itself has exploded. In November, Facebook renamed their company Meta. That was kind of really the culmination of an entire year of groundswell activity circulating around NFTs and immersive internet experiences and something that people were starting to call with more and more frequency the metaverse. And we were a beneficiary of all of that momentum. For people that are thinking about like the in-person experience, like there's a defined set of real estate, you know where to find it. In the metaverse, like 
it feels like it could be exponential of like what real estate is available. Like, how do you actually explain how digital real estate is established uh, and like then how you can partake in the buying of all of that? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the worst things the industry has done to itself is refer to this thing as metaverse real estate because it's really confusing to people. It confuses real world real estate people into thinking that they actually know something relevant, which I would conjecture (laughs) that they don't. It's a way of taking a concept that's otherwise very obscure and hard to wrap your hands around and giving it a name that people are familiar with. But again, if you go back to my initial metaphor, which is the metaverse is like the internet, then metaverse real estate is like domain names. There are mm. infinitely many letter combinations and and suffixes, right? You don't just have .com anymore. You have .everything. There's infinitely many domain names, but they're not all equally valuable, right? And so it's the same thing with metaverse real estate. There's a scarcity because yes, you can make infinitely more, but they're not all the same. And some are a lot more valuable than others. The metaphor sort of breaks beyond that point because the metaverse real estate parcels, which are basically specific lines of code in a video game-like environment, they're more valuable if they're in environments that have more users, just like buying an ad on Facebook is more expensive than buying an ad on the website for my hair salon, right? Because Facebook has a lot more users and a lot more traffic. How do you really advise people that are kind of new to this realm that want to start to dabble in it, but are intimidated by it? That's me. I oh, I bought a little bit of crypto and now I'm like, I now what? Right? <laughs> like I no, I downloaded a wallet. I don't understand how to use it. I know I should buy an NFT on OpenSea. That is what I've been told. And yet it feels like for me, somebody who prides themselves on I used to be an early adopter, feeling like there is a barrier and I, I can't figure out how to how to actually really get involved. First of all, I think be patient with yourself, be patient with the industry. It's an industry that's still very much in its infancy. And there are definitely people, many of whom I'm involved with, that are working on simplifying the solutions that exist. Because most of what's already out there was built by the crypto community for the crypto community. So it doesn't it doesn't really work for people who aren't crypto native, but that's gen one. And gen two is already in the works. And I know for a fact that there are new things that will be launching in the very near future designed for people more like us who are perfectly intelligent people who are capable of living on their own, but who still find crypto to be a little bit mystifying. And so give it a couple months and you're going to be fine. It's going to be like booking an airline ticket or buying, you know, buying things on Amazon in a very short period of time. I'm tired of crypto having this reputation that you have to be a blockchain engineer to understand it. And I think that's to the detriment of the crypto industry. It's like if your iPhone came with a guidebook for how to build a microchip. It's it's wonderful that somebody knows how to do that, but not everybody needs to know how to do it in order to interact with their iPhone. And I think one of my roles as a bit of a, a disciple for metaverse is I don't want the metaverse industry to look like the crypto industry. It needs to be more inclusive. It needs to have people who can speak plain English and explain things things without jargon, without feeling the need to layer everything with all this technical crap. Crypto is just code that moves around and it moves things, whether it's money or pictures. That's it. That's all there is to it. Everything else is people trying to overcomplicate things to support valuations that don't make sense. That's it. It feels like it's keeping out a lot of women. Just from what I've heard, a lot of people who are participating in uh, these NFTs, I've heard anecdotally, it's mostly men. And so I'm curious, 
how to bring in more underrepresented people into the fold and and why this is happening again, why a new industry is kind of blossoming and we're seeing women left behind? Well, I think men are better at assuming that they have knowledge of a topic, whereas women are much more honest. When men don't know something, they're positive they know it. (laughs) Nobody's an expert in metaverse and NFT because it's really new. And so men are better at pretending There's nobody who has more than a one to two year head start than anybody in metaverse and NFTs. So there's really no good reason why if you're thinking of a career change, you're thinking of kind of expanding your personal professional mandate to include NFTs, you shouldn't do it. You are just as qualified as almost everybody else. And with with probably a three to six month head start, you can get there. More importantly, if you want to work in metaverse and NFTs, come talk to me. I would love to have a much more diverse team, but the applicant pool tends to be overwhelmingly male. It's because the industry started there, right? Crypto is as a gamer coder ethos, which tends to be overwhelmingly male. But just because it started there doesn't mean it needs to end up there. It was built by men, but women are going to take it over because we're going to bring a sensitivity to it that's actually going to lead to mainstream adoption. And and like, obviously, that's a bit of a pipe dream, but I think it'd be great at least to see more female representation. And so I would encourage anybody who's interested, just, just do it. Just dip your toe in the water and try and find a wedge into the industry, whether you're a lawyer who wants to do crypto or you're a designer who wants to design NFTs, just start doing it. There's a lot of opportunity right now to the people who have the risk tolerance and the conceit to try something that they're not expert at yet and become an expert really quickly. I love that your advice is also just like wait two or three months and like (laughs) it will become much more accessible. It just speaks to like the speed with which everything is happening. What are the implications for maybe people who don't want to necessarily change careers, dig in that hard, but as business leaders, as brand stewards, what should what should business leaders know for their business about the metaverse? Number one, it's really buzzy. You see the term everywhere. Don't let that distract you from your broader corporate initiatives. I think a lot of CEOs are turning to their CMOs and saying, oh my gosh, you have to do something in metaverse and NFTs because Budweiser did it and Campbell Soup did it and Clinique did it. Why aren't you doing it? You're, You're failing. You know, go do something. And so you get this scurrying of activity to go do something in metaverse. And what ends up getting done, in my opinion, is not very brand building, has no longevity to it, and feels like a cheap, quick corporate marketing ploy that's not actually long term brand building. On Metaverse, maybe take your time and get smart and figure out what is really needed and wanted and what's going to make your brand look truly visionary as opposed to just following on and piling on to a lot of the other tepid and unimaginative NFT drops and Metaverse activations that I've seen that, quite frankly, they get 24 hours of press and then after it, nobody cares. And so you did it, but what did you really do? You spent a couple million dollars, you ticked the box, your CEO can't fire you for for missing the metaverse anymore, but there's so much potential with the metaverse. Why not try to think about how to make it a real line? I heard the most interesting thing. I was talking to this fashion company and they sell jackets and they are adding to their website, small, medium, large, extra large, and V. Do you know what V stands for? It's for virtual. So you can buy the jacket virtually for your avatar. That to me, that's really smart, right? It's a feature. They didn't do a drop that was like lacking in connection to their company. It was like, our buyers are very tech forward and now we're going to let them buy the same thing in a medium and a V. And I thought like things like that, 
they're not a big splash. Maybe you're never going to get that day one press, but you might actually end up becoming the brand in the metaverse that everybody thinks about first. And so I think be patient. It's brand building like anything else. It takes months, years, not, not weeks or days in order to do it right. But you do need to start now. And so what do you imagine the next phase of building a metaverse looking like, knowing that it started from a place of Fortnite, of video games, and and those virtual worlds? What do you foresee as a metaverse that is much less violent, much more creative, and what would appeal to more people uh, than predominantly teenage boys? We're working on some really cool things in fashion. You know, I think um, the good thing about fashion is there's already been a lot of commercial success selling wearables in the metaverse, both pre-crypto and post-crypto. Second Life always had a robust fashion community, people buying wearables, and a lot of the other non-crypto metaverses do. My kids are always shaking me down for money to buy wearables in Roblox and Minecraft, so it's something I personally understand because I see my credit card bill. And then also fashion in the metaverse is really egalitarian. We all we all can fit into everything, right? And we all can have whatever body it is we want to have. And we can be our best selves uh, without financial constraints or physical constraints. So I think fashion opens a lot of doors. Experiences that are social, the metaverse is a low-cost way for people to gather um, and have those same kinds of social experiences that might make more sense if they could all fly and have a conference or a symposium or whatever those, those gatherings are in the metaverse. It doesn't cost any money to go. You just open up your computer and teleport to a certain location and meet up with people to talk about certain things. You said early in the conversation, you know, it's worth exploring the metaverses that are heavily populated. What is the risk of investing a great deal of time, money in a, in a space that ends up not being the space, right? And I'm I'm almost using the the uh, comparison of like investing in Bitcoin or Ethereum versus a rando coin that that could take off but could actually plummet to nothing. Well, for going back to talking about this as an investment, you've got to remember why do people invest in crypto in the first place? And I have a sort of unpopular thesis, which is everybody's like, oh, it's too volatile. Volatility is what they came for, right? These are lotto tickets to a large extent. And and people realize, I always tell everybody who invests through us, the most likely outcome is total loss of principle. And you shouldn't invest anything you aren't completely willing to lose in crypto, in metaverse, in NFTs, period, full stop doesn't matter how brilliant of an investor you are. This is an extremely risky asset class. That being said, you know, our portfolio is up 6x in six months, you know, and so it also means in order to realize those gains, we'd have to sell everything, which we're not. But it has proven to be very lucrative for people who've timed it right. Um, It's because adoption is happening so quickly, but yet it's still very, very small relative to the total addressable market. We're definitely still at the tip of the spear in terms of NFT adoption. So there's an enormous opportunity. I think there is certainly a chance you pick wrong, which is why I would say be very diversified in your approach. Invest through somebody like us who does have a, a vehicle that's designed to provide that diversification. And if you can't do that, then do it yourself. Buy a bunch of different things in a bunch of different places or maybe pool pool capital from your friends. Thank you so much, Janine. This has been a wonderful conversation. And we want to close by asking one of our favorite questions. What is the best leadership advice you've ever gotten? And as a counter to that, what's the worst? 
I say something in the office all the time, and unfortunately, I have to attribute it to Jeff Bezos, which, you know, I know, collective grown, but speed matters in business. I say it all the time. It certainly matters in my industry more than almost any other. This industry moves so quickly, and sometimes you're sitting there and you don't know what to do, and it's a weekend, and you got to keep pushing. Just keep pushing, get things done. Speed matters in business. The worst advice I ever got listen to your investors would be the advice. Don't listen to to your investors would be my advice because they, by definition, have a ton of conceit. That's why they're investors, but they're not as close to your business as you are. And you have to trust your gut, not theirs. You're the one eating, sleeping, breathing your startup, your company, your role. And they are, you know, parachuting in with answers to questions that they don't fully understand. So trust your own gut and don't listen to the money just because it's the money. Love it. Love it. Janine, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. That was Janine Yorio, CEO and founder of virtual real estate firm Republic Realm. I am very encouraged by the reminder that nobody is an expert in this space yet. Exactly. Which means, Carolyn, you could be that expert. You're really just trying to get Chief into the metaverse, aren't you? (laughs) You know it. I also really appreciated her honesty about the fact that investment in metaverse real estate or any of these goods, it's volatile. And it's almost a meme at this point. Like you hear about these crypto bros putting their life savings into NFTs. And then I get jealous that they're going to get all these high returns and I'm, I'm missing out. But it's validating to know that this is extremely risky and maybe I should pause before I gamble my life savings in the metaverse. And honestly, I'm just happy that I understood almost all of what you just said. That's great. Because as our next guest likes to say, we're on a high-speed train destination metaverse. And the only question is when we'll get there. Kathy Hackle worked in virtual and augmented reality spaces for years and has been dubbed the godmother of the metaverse. We asked her what she sees as the next stage of building this virtual world and how can we make sure it starts off more equitably than the last one. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. We're huge fans of yours. I'm so excited to be here uh, on on this podcast. So thanks for inviting me. You know, one of the big things, whenever I start talking to someone about the metaverse, it's a term that intimidates certain people. So one of the things I do is kind of go to the past to tell you where we're going in the future. Uh, So Web 1.0 connected information that gave us the internet. That changed a lot of things, right? That probably changed many jobs and many ways that we lead. Then that evolved into Web 2.0 that connected people. And you didn't only get social media, but you got e-commerce and the sharing economy that changed a lot of things as well. And, you know, it also changed how we lead in within organizations. We're kind of evolving again. We're evolving into Web 3.0 in very simple terms, connects people, places and things or people, spaces and assets. So this is kind of the evolution. We're heading into this new space that is going to change the way we do business. And, you know, it's going to change the way we lead in some ways. Well, and you you talked about understanding the past to get to the future. I'd love to hear about your evolution and your past and how that led you to be the expert in Web3. So I, I started off in media. One of the jobs I had at CNN was looking at, at all the raw footage that was coming in from the war in Iraq. 
And when you have that type of role, you know, it's almost like you're a, a, a Facebook or YouTube moderator. You see horrible things, right? So you have to kind of turn your humanity switch off a little bit, not off, but maybe to the side a little bit to be able to get by and go home and, and have a normal existence. And for me, it's now about nine years ago that I went to a conference and got invited to put a virtual reality headset on. And the only way I can explain this is that it's like that humanity switch that I have di- I had dialed turned back on. And I took the headset off. I was claustrophobic. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I have compassion and empathy for the people in, in solitary confinement that I really didn't think about before. And I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Well, you are now being called the godmother of the metaverse. So I think it has worked out quite well uh, as your reputation in this area has grown. I'd love to maybe, um, before we go deep into some of the work that you're doing with some of these brands and all of the interesting things that we're doing for our listeners, and definitely for our listeners, not for me, because, you know, I, I know. I'd love to maybe just like, get a really simplified, like, how would you define the metaverse? Convergence of physical and digital. Our digital lifestyles catching up to our physical lifestyles. It's enabled by many different technologies. It's the successor of today's mobile internet. And mm. there's been a lot of negatives from the pandemic, lots and lots of negatives. But I think from a positive, it has been an acceleration of adoption of, of some of these technologies and and kind of like just an urgency of sorts of realizing, okay, this is this is the future of the internet. And how does that play into what I do and how I lead in my job? And I will say the one thing that really, really excites me about it is that there's new opportunities for women. One of the big things I try to do is say, you know, this future that we're building, you are welcome to come build it with us. When Web 1.0 and Web 2.0 were built, not everyone at these companies was a technical person. You're going to need HR. You're going to need finance. You're going to need the marketing team. Like, There's plenty of people that are not necessarily developers that have built these companies as well. So I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And I want women and minorities and, and, and underrepresented communities to feel welcome. Like They can come and build this future. This future is not for just one type of person to be built or for one type of person to enjoy. What about for leaders like, like I... I'm not leaving chief anytime soon, but yeah. I would love <laughs> to learn more and to get more, uh, to have more presence in the metaverse. What are, what's some advice for, for people, for our listeners who aren't necessarily going to change careers, but want to start, you know, building this muscle and exploring a little bit more of how to get involved? This is another big opportunity to see within organizations is that everyone's trying to make sense of the metaverse. And no one really is necessarily taking the charge, right? There's Mm. no chief metaverse officer yet. So it is a chance for you to go to your leadership and say, I know this is happening. I know you're interested. These are some ideas I have. Give me some budget so I can go do them. And kind of work through that and become almost become that evangelist within the company that is the person people go to when they have the metaverse and Web3 questions. I love that. And I think there's a real first mover advantage for companies. It behooves them to explore, to invest, and to get there. And there's really no disadvantage to to trying to explore new platforms. Really, what you're losing is time, which is so precious as a business leader. Yeah. Are there specific industries that you think are making that move faster than others? Yeah, I think fashion. uh, Fashion is leading the way. They've jumped all in on this. 
It's interesting because I remember there was an article in Vogue Business, and I think it was Cartier. And Cartier was saying, we will never do NFTs. And I sat with that article and I said, never say never. Just like people say, I will never need a Twitter page. I will never be on Instagram, <laughs> right? Mm. So, I'm, you know, one day I'm sure we'll see a Cartier NFT or a Cartier uh, <laughs> thing in the metaverse and I will laugh, you know, love Cartier. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think my sister actually said, like, I will never get a cell phone. I'm like, uh, <laughs> fast forward a little. You will definitely have one. And you know what to me is is interesting is the fact that, like, if I am a luxury jewelry brand, <laughs> why wouldn't I want to start to understand what the high net worth individuals of the future want to buy and how they want to buy? So maybe let's pivot a little bit and talk about the work that you are doing with all of these brands that are starting to dip their toe into the into the metaverse. You talked a little bit about working with Clinique and other brands, P&G. Would love to know, like, as you're working with so many of these companies, what's kind of the way for them to make a first entrance? What's the what's the ideal first step? So I'll tell you this, there's no ideal first step. Every brand's strategy and roadmap into the into the metaverse is different. Everyone's going to be different. So there's no set way. Like I, what I will say with Clinique, they were the first uh, brand within the Estee Lauder companies to do an NFT. So we had to do something that aligned with Clinique. They didn't want to sell their NFTs because their audience, like their, the people that they were catering to are not necessarily in crypto it was kind of a way to kind of bring their loyalty community with them into the metaverse, right? They were taking their first step and they said, let's bring our community in. So it was three NFTs um, beautifully designed that also unlocked 10 years of makeup, which is pretty good utility. And also early access to some of their like runaway hits. And now there's three lucky winners that can say, I got the first uh, Clinique NFT. There will possibly be more NFTs in the future. So to me, it was a, a small step, but a measured step, a step that made sense for the brand. It doesn't make sense for every brand. It made sense for Clinique. So I think that, yeah, every brand is going to be different. So what impact do you think the metaverse will have on the future of business as a whole? I mean, just like just like Web 1 and Web 2 <laughs> changed business, that's where we're heading. Let's think about commerce. We've been doing physical to physical commerce for centuries. You go to a store and you get something physical, you come home. Web2 enabled e-commerce where I go online to a website, which is not necessarily super immersive. And I put my, you know, I, I put my, my, the number of my credit card in and something gets delivered at home. But what you're seeing is an evolution of commerce. You're inside games and you've got generation spending. Was it, I think it's a hundred billion dollars were spent last year on virtual goods inside gaming platforms. And that doesn't include NFTs. Like that's like a sword in Minecraft or a skin in Roblox. So you already have a generation that is used to the virtual to virtual commerce. So that's a new avenue of commerce. We're all talking about the supply chain issues of, of the year. <laughs> There's yeah. no supply chain issues if you're buying your clothes on the metaverse, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Poof, Definitely. I'm in designer duds. Yeah, 100%. So I think what we have seen in each of these stages that we have gone through is that as much as each of them have unlocked 
great ways, uh, convenience and efficiency and opportunity. There's also been the negative side of some of the technology advancements. Have you found that people, as we're going into this space, are more conscious of the way that this is being built in order to try to avoid some of those pitfalls that we've had before? And, and what do you think are some of those potential biggest risks that we should be looking out for as we do this? So we're definitely having conversations before we build it, right? Which is, I think, important, which we didn't have when when Web2 was being built. We just didn't have those conversations. There will be challenges. I'm not saying that it's all perfect because it, you know, because it's not. There's going to be things that we might have never, not even thought of that will come of, you know, Web3. But we are having those conversations early, keeping kids safe, moderation, all those sorts of things, right, within these virtual spaces, I think are incredibly important. Continuing to put pressure on these companies. If they are going to be collecting biometric data using virtual reality devices, like what are they doing with it? What are, what are they using it for? So those conversations, I think, are incredibly, incredibly important. You know, I live in Washington, D.C., and you know, one of the things I try to do personally is spend time with lawmakers, educating them on the future of the Internet and metaverse and everything. And I think lawmakers are, getting, are understanding business models for Web2 a lot more. So I can even imagine, let's say, some of these CEOs having to testify in Congress again, getting questions about the metaverse before it's even built. And I think that that is really important. One thing, for example, when I talk to to lawmakers, I'm like, okay, so there's a lot of stuff happening here in the virtual side of the metaverse, but the metaverse extends to the physical world as well. And when we when we talk about moving from phones to glasses to some type of wearable and putting all the information they're seeing on their phones in front of their eyes, that is going to have massive implications for your constituents. Massive. So we need to have those conversations right now because Humans are not supposed to have tons of data in front of them. So there are massive implications on a societal level that we haven't come across yet that we need to have conversations about. We need to set standards and we need to be serious about them. I believe in the metaverse. I believe in this future. I, but I know there will be challenges and there are things that we need to talk about now. It sounds like we're approaching some dangerous territory knowing how far behind lawmakers are just from understanding Web 2.0, right, today, how little regulation, how much children are exposed to games, to web platforms that we've seen intense detrimental impact on their welfare, on young women in particular, uh, when you look at Instagram as an example. So if, if you could use this platform to tell lawmakers anything that that I, I can hear you waving the flag. Um, what should they be doing and how can we as business leaders contribute to that? I think first of all is for me as a mom and as a human being is protecting children, safeguarding children. If Web 2.0 affected children, which it did, what are the things we need to start to set up right now to protect children in Web 3? Right. So those things are really important to me understanding, like understanding the evolution that is coming upon us. So one thing that comes up often in this space is the idea of Web3 being decentralized. Can you explain what that means? So when you talk about decentralization, you're talking about almost eliminating a middleman. The blockchain, for example, I don't need to go to a bank to make a transfer. I just transfer peer to peer. That has implications for government. That has implications for banks. Right? That has a lot of implications. So decentralization can be something a little bit scary. 
But it is a pretty attractive proposition that you can own something that can go with you across all different places. Because up until now, let's say you buy something in one of your favorite video games, you can't really take it to the other video game. It lives there. Like, you really even own it? Mm, question mark. There's still, I think, a lot of things that need to be defined and worked on. And that was the promise of Web 1, right? Like the promise yeah, yeah, early yeah. days on the web was everybody can have their own website yeah. and and the internet is free for everybody. And yet, as we know, the you know platforms start to become, and Web 2, people started creating their spaces within platforms. It seems like they're, that's emerging again. It seems like if you want to get an NFT, you're going to end up on OpenSea. And there's only a few different wallets that are owned by founders that are funded by VCs. And so as decentralized as it sounds, there still feels like an underpinning of the same players trying a, a new way in which humans are interacting. But it doesn't feel as decentralized to me as, as sometimes it's billed as being. I think because it's so early, it's so nascent. We only can go by what we've done. So we still have a Web 2 mentality. We're trying to port that into Web 3. I do think things are evolving. You've got startups doing really interesting things. People really thinking through what does decentralization really mean? How do you actually accomplish it? So I think it'll be an evolution. It's interesting because I feel like the promise of decentralization sort of box this concept of moderation. So how how would you balance that notion of needing moderation, needing lawmakers to pay attention, and the uh, maybe naive utopian idea of decentralization? I always say, I'm working towards an open decentralized metaverse. Will it all be decentralized? I don't know. I personally think we're probably going to end up with a lot of open a big part of it decentralized, but there will be centralized walled gardens that you might have to go in, into or might want to go into for some reason or, or another. So yeah, is it, does decentralization answer everything? No, it, it is a great idea and it's what a lot of us are building towards. But the reality is that we're all going to have to navigate and coexist <laughs> in the messy future that's ahead of us. So yeah, I don't think it solves everything. It is an ideal and something that I'm working towards then I don't think it's necessarily all going to be decentralized. Well, I, for one, am really happy that you are at the forefront of this innovation and doing it with just a lot of conscious decision-making because we have seen some of these evolutions take on things that we never intended them to be. So thank you for kind of being at the forefront of this and, and being really conscious about where it goes. I'd love to maybe ask like one final question just for... Again, our listeners, not for me, but for those people who are still in the early days of understanding this, where should they go? How can they continue to learn more? I would say educating yourself beyond just reading, start doing, like start like open a crypto wallet if you don't have one. Uh, if you have a little disposable income and want to just test it out, buy a small NFT. It doesn't have to be a super expensive one because it is still a little painful. There's still a lot of friction out there. So it's a learning experience. Buy yourself a digital dress on Dress X. Little things that you can start doing. Join a Discord server. Don't click on the links, though. Uh, and don't <laughs> don't answer DMs. <laughs> but, you know, join a Discord server and start to see, like, what are people talking about? What is interesting? And this is my big point is in the metaverse, we are all world builders. And now is our time to build. Everyone can build right now. There's many ways to build. You can build community. You can build games. You can build many different things. It doesn't have to be like super highly technical. So 
this is a big moment for everyone, for women leaders. This is a a new moment, a a kind of a new renaissance for us to really lead and and not only have you know our male counterparts be the leaders. All right, Carolyn, let's get you on Discord. Let's open up a crypto <laughs> wallet for you. We're gonna we're gonna pop around OpenSea, get an NFT, and it's coming. And watch out, and you're gonna get some real estate. <laughs> you know what? I'll give you one last thing. If you are a, a parent, not everyone's a parent, right? But they, they have children in their family in some ways. Sit down and play Roblox or Fortnite with them for 30 minutes and you will get one of the best lessons in what is coming. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. This was really enlightening. I think that we have so many incredible savvy listeners who I think are so excited to hear your take as the godmother of the metaverse on what's next. And a lot of listeners who are at the entry points and really starting to understand why it's important to explore this. So thank you for joining us. It was really amazing. Yeah, Thanks for having me and I'll see you in the metaverse. See you there. I'll be wearing a great dress. I'll be wearing Gucci. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Love it. That was Kathy Hackle, speaker, futurist, and the godmother of the metaverse. I'm still so curious about that push-pull between wanting the metaverse to be this kind of open, decentralized playground, but also making sure that it's not harmful to underrepresented groups. And it seems like an almost impossible tension to resolve. Yeah, I mean, we saw what happened in Web 2. So it's good to know that people like Kathy are already starting to hash these questions out. And the metaverse is still being built. So it's up for grabs by anyone, even if you're not an engineer. And it feels like fashion and gaming got these great early leads. But I really wonder what industry will take off in the metaverse next. I think it'll be women's executive leadership networks. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. And Lindsay, I guess then I'll see you in the metaverse soon. And I'll be wearing my chief sweatshirt when I see you there. That's all for this episode and this season for the new rules of business by Chief. You can find us on LinkedIn, or if you're interested in joining the Chief Network, apply to be a member at chief.com. Thanks to Sharon Yee, Courtney Conley, Katrina Conan and Real, Blaine Edens, and Gabriella Margarino at Chief. And to our production team pod people, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, Andy Bosnack, Madison Lesby, Michelle O'Brien, and Veronica Simonetti. Our music is by Colin Hatch. I'm Carolyn Childers. And I'm Lindsay Kaplan. Thanks for listening. 